Hello and welcome to Bittersweet Symphony, where classical musicians share the bitter, the sweet and the bittersweet of life when the concert halls shut their doors, tours were cancelled and the audiences vanished. I'm Cleana Ryan, a violinist with the Irish Chamber Orchestra and a freelancer. And today I'm chatting to Steve Kelly, proud corkman and percussionist for over 10 years now with the RTE Concert Orchestra. He shares the bitter experience of a festival cancelled by a multinational, with freelancers and self-employed musicians left with nothing. The incredible sweetness of being able to support his wife at a time when she's fully stepping into her creativity. And the bittersweetness of returning to work, the busyness and pressures of a musician's life, always on the road. This is Steve Kelly. So I sent you something to have a look through to kind of stimulate memories and stuff. And I wonder what it was like thinking back and what that felt like. Yeah, it, I think that's all people have been doing is kind of going over and over the experience. Kind of all we hear is people thinking back, I suppose, because it's such a huge event in our lives in this, for this generation. People 60, 70 years ago would have been talking about the war all the time. Because, yeah, it, had, it did have a seismic effect on everyone and everyone's life. No one was left untouched by it, you know. There's kind of not really any thinking back to be done about it. It, it really still is... Certainly for musicians, we're not there yet, are we? Like, we're not back, you know? It's still very present is the way I would see it anyway. Were there elements when you were thinking back over the last 18 months? Was everything, does everything feel still very present for you? In, in, in some ways, it's weird. Like, like we were talking about something that happened back in February and it could have been, it could be three years ago. This interesting thing that's happening with time and, and people's concept of time and memory and everything like that, how no one can remember what year it is. No one could remember what day it was. And no one could remember exactly when anything really happened. You know, I'm a drummer. We're, I'm obsessed with time. And what's really interesting is everyone is now thinking about time, but it has become maybe much more abstract. It's not as kind of locked in as it used to be in terms of our weeks and our months and our years and that's the interesting th- thing, certainly picking up on that, the concept and the awareness of time and space. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> you, you said that you're a drummer. How many years have you been in the concert orchestra, Steve? It, it was 10 years in last November. So we weren't actually working. There's a couple of others who were, who we all joined around the same time, kind of missed our 10 year anniversary. But that was the thing. That's what you'd miss. It, you miss your colleagues. You miss the people because we were working kind of all the time. You know, once March hit, Everything got cancelled. It took a couple of weeks just for people to get their things. And then all the home recording started and we started kind of churning the stuff out on the instruments you can see behind me here. Set up a microphone, got some, you know, much needed help from uh, the RTE lads, the uh, sound engineers up there. So it's such a strange thing. Yeah, being in an orchestra, working, but not seeing anyone, playing on your own, sending it away. It was awful. It was horrible to do. It was certainly worth doing when you hear the finished product but when you're playing on your own no thanks I never signed up to be a soloist <laughs> yeah I did a few of those as well they're excruciating I think the air above my house was probably turning blue with the cursing absolutely you know like you'd just be losing the will to, for what then as well you know you're picking up all these tiny little things and nobody's going to hear it you and you're not getting the emotional connection of playing with people yeah. like being in a sound right and that real real time feedback that you you hear something and you react to it you know, it's not like the conductor has to stop and tell you. You do it automatically. That's our job, that you adjust all the time. You're constantly listening to what's going on around you. And when when there's nothing going on around you, apart from maybe a 
truck going past outside ruining the take or neighbors just kind of talking on the road because like I'm not in a soundproof setting here. This is just the garage. And as much as I've tried hanging drapes and sticking things onto the garage walls, sound still gets out. So it's far from perfect and you're killing yourself trying to make it as good as possible. But ultimately, I think those things really served a purpose though, all those home recordings to keep us out there, to keep us doing something, even to keep us occupied at home. Um, I think it was really, really good, but I do hope they kind of get forgotten about. Did you have all the instruments that you needed at home, Steve? Because normally as a, as a percussionist, you're playing so many different instruments and different things might be required for all the different pieces that you play, you know? That's right. And there was chats with conductors, composers or arrangers as to what we have or what we don't have. Um, we were doing, I can't remember what it was now, but I needed a glockenspiel and I just didn't have one. And I knew the arranger and I texted him and I said, listen, I don't have a glockenspiel. And he texts me back and he says, my six month old nephew has a glockenspiel. Why don't you have a clock in your house? Send it over. So there was a bit of that. Yeah, we had to kind of figure out what we had, what we could work with, because I'm down in Cork. So I couldn't just drop into RT to get instruments. So James would have gone in a few times when there was stuff that just had to be um, had to be found in RTE. So he, he was able to get in. You know, at once the, the kind of 5K, I think, was lifted, he was able to drive across to get instruments or to record there. Like, But yeah, everything had to be adjusted around what we had, you know. You live in Cork, Steve, but your job is in Dublin. So, like, was it amazing just to be at home? It's the first time in my life that I've ever worked and lived in the same place. In your life? Uh, yeah, as a musician, you're always going somewhere. You're always, you're not in the one place. You're always traveling. You're always as a freelancer, you're up and down the country, you're across Europe or whatever it is you're doing. So you're always kind of on the move and then you go back home and then you're gone again. And like even between Dublin and Cork all the time. Yeah. And then there was 18 months of this. You can just record in your garage and then go and sit in your living room and it's 30 seconds away from work. You know, the commute has been drastically cut down as, as much fun as it was doing the traveling, going places and kind of seeing things. Maybe it's an age thing as well. Maybe I'm getting to the age where all of a sudden, when it slowed down, it was really nice. You know, I didn't have to kind of do that stuff. I know I'm like, I'm mean, thrilled to be back working again. But yeah, the commute's a pain in the ass. <laughs> I wondered, because I asked you to think about three specific memories. So one bitter, one sweet and one bittersweet. Was it hard to just to decide or were they, was it very obvious to you? Or was it different in each case? It, it, different in each case, I think. The bitter one is like you got to be careful about that you know the only thing that comes out of being bitter is a bad stomach you know like there is just no point being bitter in this world but I do remember whatever I was going through the, the lockdown we were still working you know and you're thinking things will come back things will come back things will come back and then I think it was in the summer it would have been of 2020 Guinness cancelled the jazz festival in Cork and something just snapped in me I was just how could they just cancel it completely and there was no sign of any online um, festival as an alternative or anything like that, which would have even just been a dig out for local musicians. Now, I'm sure I'm sure Guinness have all the excuses in the world or all the reasons why they didn't do that. But for a billion dollar company to not help out in any way for me was just I was enraged, I was really, really angry at this. So enough to kind of get on local radio to roar and shout about it down here. I wasn't the only one to go on local radio. They got some other people to go on as well. Every councillor got a letter off in the every local TD in my constituency got a letter. You know, I don't write to the TDs and councillors very often, 
and it did kind of work to a certain extent. I mean, I texted everyone I knew, please write in as well. And obviously enough people did because it got discussed at a council meeting. Most of the politicians wouldn't bother their arses getting back to me. You know, my kind of point was being, can you please do something to maybe convince Guinness to uh, put some money into an online thing just to give some freelancers, not, not mean at, at all, like I didn't want the gigs, but there's plenty of freelancers who would have really done with it, you know, and it would, was, it would have been a major boost at the time as well, but it, it wasn't to be. And in fairness, some of the independent councillors, they all got back and they tried to push a little bit. The Greens tried to push a little bit, but, the, you know, you can't beat big business and you can't beat City Hall either. So nothing kind of came from it. But I remember, yeah, it got pretty cheesed off just in terms of, oh man, when are we ever going to get out of this? So do you think that it represented something to you? Yeah, kind of acceptance of our fate a little bit as musicians to, no, I'm not happy with this fate and I'm going to howl and scream and rant and rave to go down without a fight would be not in my nature, I think, you know. It's, it's a strange one for me from kind of looking at it like, should musicians get angrier about the situation that we were in? Should we have been out on the streets? And why weren't we? And where is our collective voice? Yeah, it's tricky. Yeah. Um, again, you're just sick of hearing uh, all the politicians and stuff saying, oh, sure, the arts isn't it great and it gets us all through everything and it does this. Where are you, lads? Where, where are they really, you know? Uh, so that kind of really... Yeah, that ground my gears, as they say. Like for me, when I hear you sharing that memory, I'm also left with that question of where is our voice? How do we make ourselves heard? Yeah, and it's they, they did get their voice on the radio all throughout the 18 months. Yeah. But when it comes to the top table where the decisions are made, again, if the minister can't even get in the room, you know, we don't stand a chance. So it's a funny one. We've, we've a long way to go, I think, in Ireland in terms of recognising really recognising the value of culture and actually making sure that it's at the top table and its voice is really not not just heard, but acted upon and protected and all the rest of it. Yeah, a bit to go, but we'll have to keep shouting. Yeah. And your sweet memory, Steve. There, there was only one, really, because a couple of years ago, my wife, Deirdre, had gone back to art college. Like, she's a musician. She has been a musician for, you know, professional musician for over 20 years. But back when she would have been you know, deciding what to do. It was either art or music and she chose music. But a couple of years ago, decided, feck this, let's go back to college. She went back to the Crawfords down here to do fine art. But yeah, in March 2020, she was told college closes tomorrow. You get your stuff out. So she went in, grabbed the easels, grabbed the paints and just went into our spare room. And that became the studio. So she was working away all the way through kind of March up to the end of May, I suppose. And I'd bring up the little cocktail or beer at half five and then I'd have the dinner ready around seven. And she, but she'd be working till midnight. She'd be working all of the time. It's amazing to see her, how much she's thrown herself into this and the work she's done. I, it's, like it's been an incredible 18 uh, months. And just to be around, to be, to be able to sit there and, and kind of witness all this creativity is, for me, was brilliant. You know, like that, that was that really kept the whole kind of show on the road because it wasn't two musicians just sitting and looking at each other across the dinner table going, what, what are we going to do today? You know, or whatever. It was amazing. You know, the, the fact that at least, you know, her thing was kind of starting from something very small, I suppose, and just kept getting bigger and bigger, like the snowball going down the, the hill. Steve, it's so gorgeous that your sweet memory is about watching your wife develop and shine and just take off as a creative artist. I think it's an amazing thing that she's done because again, it's difficult, you know, that it's, if, again, you're in the middle of a pandemic and everything is up in the air and ha where's the will to actually 
keep going and all the rest of it. And just to see that she not only has she kept going, but it's just it's nonstop. It's she's relentless <laughs> and it's in her creativity. It's absolutely brilliant. I really I'm really enjoying it and kind of, yeah, just kind of hanging on to the coattails. You know? <laughs> Does it give you a buzz? Does it give you energy? Does it inspire you? Or Oh, of course. And it's, it, it's just opened up new things and it's new, like everything from new conversations to actually meeting new people, you know, when things kind of opened up, you know, you just see another, a whole other side to a, a city that you'd think, you know, to a certain extent, but there's all this other stuff going on. And now we're, we're in it, I, I suppose, that it's brilliant. You know, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. And like, again, you know, if there was just two musicians sitting around, I don't know what, you know, we've been unbelievably lucky. I suppose you were able to support her in a way that you wouldn't have been able to if you were up and down to Dublin. And I wonder what that meant to you. Oh, no, that, that was great. Absolutely. That's the whole point is that I could be there to do all of the, this stuff that had to be done, whatever it might have been, whether it was going to the shops or cooking the dinner or uh, even discussing the, the work, yeah. going in and, and talking about it um, and, go, you know, is it this colour, is it that colour? Which is funny because I'm a bit colourblind, so like half of the time I wouldn't know exactly what colour she's talking about. But it's more, you have to be there just to talk it out for her, but uh, to actually be around and, yeah, and be able to, to kind of muck in and actually help in some way in some small way mostly it really was yeah just making sure the cocktail was made or the the dinner was on the table (laughs) you got to feed the creatives that's the important thing it's incredible isn't it because in so many ways it was a time of real flourishing for people as well as all the difficult things and the you know the grief are feeling frozen by it all you know certainly I hadn't probably had that much time since I was five or six because I've been playing the violin since I was five or six when I finally realized that it was not going to be a couple of weeks or a month or see in June or whatever there was kind of like a sense of holy shit and then immense freedom at the same time you know because for us it's a lifetime yeah no that's an amazing thing I I think about kind of again about musicians it's, it's that it's all encompassing it's all the time it never stops the fiddle is never far away from the hand that kind of way that you're always doing stuff and physically that takes a huge toll but this break where all of a sudden people have had time maybe to they don't have to pick up the fiddle as long as they have to or, or bash the drums or whatever might actually extend careers by an incredible amount of time just from the, the physical rest you know that physical thing it actually might it could extend careers the problem being like is as long as the mental side of things wasn't too completely messed up by this existential crisis that musicians were going through, you know? Yeah, I think that was different for everyone at different points as well, wasn't it? Shall I ask you about your, I'd love to ask you about your bittersweet memory, because I suppose in some ways that's the one that might be most difficult to pinpoint because it's something beautiful or joyful, but that has that slight tinge of sadness or regret or something around it yeah I I think it's going it's actually going back it really is going back to work I'm thrilled to be back it's absolutely brilliant it's great to see all the lads and everyone in the orchestra and going back to teaching as well but always the tough part of that is the stuff that goes around it it's either the traveling or the early mornings the late nights The, the way I've I see it is that's what I get paid for you don't get paid for playing music I do that I would do that for free but yeah but the actual being back in a room playing with everyone you can't beat it it's so good so it's it's time on the road it's time away from your wife all of that and just kind of you know when you're kind of eating out again you know or that you know the insomnia sandwich with a 
cup of coffee while you're standing at a bus stop. You know, all of that kind of awful kind of things that go along with the, the kind of the traveling and just and the running around. But nothing beats being back, definitely. And again, like we, we can't wait for the, the audiences, I suppose, as well. That will really make it all worthwhile then, you know, once they're back in all the time, you know, in, in full swing. So hopefully that's only a few weeks away. So that's exciting. For sure. And it'll and it'll make the sweet part of that bittersweet that little bit sweeter, you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Is there any way that you are moving forward thinking I'm going to do it a bit differently this time or? I think, what, well, one of the things, again, just from sitting around all the time, I just got into exercising every day at home, just doing the online video and lepping around like an Egypt in the kitchen or whatever space I had. But I suppose it's, again, it comes back to that kind of physical thing that lockdown this time gave me the time to really focus on the, okay, what are you doing when you play the drums? What exercises should you be doing away from the drums? Again, that could extend my career by years at the other end. But even just to kind of get that in, I think, in my head and just to kind of really make that a priority as opposed to, you know, just running in with a cup of coffee in the hand and calling that a warm up. (laughs) And then the cooking thing, did you get to like explore that more when you were at home? And are you going to do more of that going forward? Or did you always do a lot of it? I, I would have always done it, but only when I was actually at home, which was, wasn't a whole lot. But uh, no, it was great to get into to stuff down here. Like um, there was a place that opened, it was, it was like an online farmer's market. It's great. You know, you're getting good stuff. Like I have a load of cookbooks here. I would just work through them, you know, start at page one and keep going. <laughs> it's great. It's a brilliant time out, a time away from music. You, you don't think about music when you're cooking. I don't anyway. Well, it's been some 18 months and I hope that this was an opportunity to think back on that. And Yeah, fair play for doing it. It is a great, it, it is important to keep these records. Maybe not not always the, the, the big figures, uh, you know, usually it's their words that are recorded in history, but maybe, you know, when it's the, the grunts on the ground, you know, <laughs> the people that, you know, you know, who are kind of the ones who put in the slog, it's, it's, I think it's important to get their voice too, I would think. <laughs> That's what we are, Steve. We're the grunts. We're the grunts on the ground. Yeah, don't forget it. <laughs> well, we're all grunts on the ground, according to Steve. Maybe. Anyway, I love chatting to him and hearing how much it meant to him to support his wife on her creative path. I was also left with a lot of questions about our collective voice as musicians and our place at the table and in the order of things when it comes to politics and society. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you're enjoying it, it would be great if you left a rating and a review. It really makes a big difference and helps people find the podcast. You can follow on Instagram at ryan.cleana on Facebook at the Bittersweet Symphony podcast page and on Twitter at Cleana Violin. Thanks for listening and until next time.